You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and we kind of find uh, Paul talks about that there in Galatians chapter 5 in verses 22 and 23, and I love that Bruce kind of talked about, you know, just again, praying that kingdom of God would, would come among us. You know, that, that the, the Lord's prayer, you know, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and, and God wants his kingdom to come to rule and to reign upon the earth now. And oftentimes we kind of think, what would that look like? I mean, if you were to stop and ask yourself, if the kingdom of God were to be in operation on the earth today, what could we expect that to look like? Well, I think you could expect that all of those nine gifts of the Holy Spirit would be flowing, would be evident, right? We would be loving one another And we would be loving our enemy in such a way that people would know that we are a Christ follower, that that we would have joy that would, you know, just be uh, evident even in the the most uh, bleakest, dreariest places. There would just be a kingdom joy about us that I think would startle people. You know, they, they would kind of be really understanding what's going on in the culture or going on around them. And they're looking at you, you're full of this kingdom joy, and they're wondering, what is, what, what, what is, how can you be so joyful at a time like this? Well, it's, it's a kingdom joy. It, it doesn't come from uh, circumstances. It doesn't come from uh, people. It comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so when I think about the kingdom of God, it's all of these nine gifts of the the fruit of the Spirit that they're operating in fullness. And that's why Paul says the Holy Spirit produces this in our lives. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And he said it's it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he says there there are no laws against this. There are no limits to this. As a matter of fact, this is one of these things that, you know, uh, it it the enemy really has no way to counteract any of this. When, when we're walking uh, in that, he, he's, he's really limited in what he can do to limit this work that God is doing in and through us. And so we've been looking at, you know, the various characteristics, and uh, this morning I kind of want to really focus on, uh, we're, we're kind of down to number eight here, uh, and that is the, the fruit of gentleness, the power of gentleness, and how God wants to use that to really change and to transform our lives. Now, having, you know, kind of put that subject up there, gentleness, I know that probably, and I'm not, I'm not just focusing on men, but I, I'm kind of aware that there's just probably a lot of guys here this morning that when you use that term gentleness, they're just kind of like ready to check out. You know, they're, they're kind of thinking, you know, w- w- what can gentleness really do for me, especially in the workplace? I mean, if, if you have any kind of gentleness in the workplace, I mean, you're just going to get mowed down. You're just going to get walked all over. And, and so oftentimes, you know, as guys, we, we kind of see gentleness as kind of being a doormat. And so we don't want anything to do with that, you know. So I kind of thought, well, you know, let's kind of think maybe of some 
you know, maybe other words, you know, other than gentleness. Some translations use the word meekness. So I thought, well, maybe we'll go with, we'll, we'll kind of talk about meekness. But that rhymes with what? Weakness, yeah. So that, that wasn't going to work. And then I kind of thought, well, maybe we kind of use the word humility. And, well, that, that didn't really kind of ring like it was going to work much with men either. So, so that's what you kind of have to work with this morning. And so, again, as you kind of talk about just this, this attribute of gentleness, again, oftentimes a lot of guys are going to want to check out on this because to them gentleness kind of sounds like, you know, Bambi meets Thumper. Oh, you know, or, or Lassie kind of loving, uh, you know, some lost kids. Kittens. Oh, that's so gentle. And again, we guys, we just kind of want to check out on that, okay? Uh, so oftentimes we kind of think, you know, this may be okay to talk about on Sunday morning, but this really isn't going to do a lot for me on Monday morning at the construction site or in the workplace. Or will it? Well, I think as we kind of talk about this this morning, I think you're going to kind of be uh, surprised. I think there is a, a power in gentleness that really has the power to get and to uh, really earn people's respect. As a matter of fact, here's what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So gentleness is something that ought to be evident to everyone um, of us. It should be evident to everyone who looks at us regardless of where you work. So let's talk about what is gentleness. So I kind of started looking up in kind of Greek uh, lexicons and dictionaries to try to get kind of an understanding, you know, of, of what the Greek meaning of the word gentleness is. And gentleness is really kind of defined as an uprightness of heart and life which I would say is probably true of all of the attributes there because, again, we know that everything that really starts, starts in the heart, right? It starts in the heart of man and then it kind of begins to work its way out and it will begin to kind of manifest. Whatever's going on in our hearts will kind of begin to manifest in our lives through our actions and through our words. And I think that, again, that's true of all of the attributes there. There's, a, there's an uprightness um, of, of heart and life in that. But let me give you another definition of gentleness that I think might be a little bit more helpful this morning. Gentleness is the power of your potential under God's control. Gentleness is, is the power of your potential under God's control. Now, you know, many of you uh, maybe have seen like maybe a wild stallion, a wild horse, an unbroken horse. I mean, that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of power and there's a lot of potential there, whereas a horse under the control of a rider can be a very, very uh, in, enjoyable uh, ride, fire that is contained maybe in a fire pit. It can be a source of comfort. It can be a source of warmth, you know, but a fire out of control can be very, very devastating, you know, as we see in places like, you know, California this summer. I mean, there's some of the largest 
you know, forest fires uh, in, in the nation's history um, there, and it's caused quite a bit of devastation. A gentle breeze can, you know, be pleasant. You know, we can enjoy, uh, you know, a, a great uh, south, you know, cool breeze. Um, but man, when you start getting, you know, hurricane winds like what maybe they saw uh, in New Orleans recently, I mean, again, that is, that is power that is out of control. And again, the, the key difference there really is control. How many of you, and again, I'm, I'm you know, probably dating myself when I talk about this. How many of you grew up watching the, the, uh, the sitcom General Ben? Yeah, a lot of us probably remember that. That was probably back, I think, like in 1967. It had just two seasons, uh, which I you know, kind of found that to be really ironic because I watched that for years, and I don't remember you know, seeing the same episodes over and over. I must have because there were only two seasons of it, but I just remember... Um, that huge grizzly, I think his name was like Bruno the bear or something, but in the, in the sitcom they called him Gentle Ben. And I just remember this like gigantic tame bear. And how many of you remember the little boy? I think his name was like Mark or something. And that kid had to be probably no more than eight or nine years old. And so here's like this little eight or nine year old boy and this gigantic bear, you know, and, and he's gentle Ben. I mean, there's, there's a tameness to him. But boy, I remember sometimes in that sitcom, boy, there would be times where Mark would be in danger or someone was trying to hurt Mark and all of a sudden, gentle Ben kind of became grizzly bear. Ben, you know, and, and all of a sudden that there was just a power about him. But, but again, what was amazing was here is this huge, giant black bear and this little guy that just kind of had uh, the, 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 the potential, the power of that bear under his control. And, and that's, again, the whole idea of gentleness. It is your potential uh, really being placed under God's control. And so what does a gentle person look like? I and mean, when we think about a gentle person, how does a gentle person um, act? And, and I kind of, you know, came up with some people you know, in, in our, our recent history that I think really kind of exemplify that. I mean, I think many of us would agree Mother Teresa was a gentle person. I mean, she had tremendous power. I mean, she just carried a tremendous authority with her. You know, and again, her work there, um, you know, uh, uh, among the poor in, in Calcutta, I mean, she again, she just had this, the, the potential, she just had this power. People respected her, they listened to her. She had influence with, with many uh, leaders. I think of Billy Graham, I think of Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, these are again, all very, very powerful people, but they, again, were very, very gentle people. And, and I kind of see, you know, again, that potential, uh, all that power, that influence, uh, everything that they had, it was all really under God's control. So I want to kind of just talk about um, three dynamics that I kind of see three characteristics of people who are gentle, that kind of exhibit uh, a gentleness, kind of what Paul talks about there in, in Galatians. And the first is, is that gentle people's personalities are under God's control. 
Now again, our personalities, they're kind of made up of, you know, character traits, you know, good and bad. Uh, character and character traits, many of you know, they can really make or break a relationship. And some of the positive character traits that you see in other people that we admire, that, you know, we, you know, maybe kind of want to emulate are things like, you know, honesty, integrity, humility, sense of humor, compassion. Uh, there's some negative character traits, you know, rudeness, uh, you know, selfishness, people who just kind of seem very out of control or they're vindictive, they're unforgiving, they're selfish. Uh, those are character traits, again, uh, that, that are bad. And, and we're oftentimes, we're kind of a mix of those, aren't we? I mean, some days we're better than others, but oftentimes we can kind of fluctuate back and forth. And again, God's design, God's desire is he wants to be able to take all of that and just put that under uh, his control. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were over doing the Bible reading in the park, uh, there was a particular morning that I was just kind of sitting there at the picnic table as people were reading in the tent, and there was a gentleman that kind of began to make his way uh, over to the tent, uh, to the picnic table area where I was sitting, and he kind of just, you know, kind of walked up, and, he, and he'd gotten close enough, and he kind of just stood there, and, he, and he's just looking, trying to, I think, kind of trying to assess, what is going on here? What are you doing? Um, is there a place for me here? And so he kind of just stood there, and just kind of looked in, and so I said, hey, how are you? And, and he said, good, what's going on here? You know, so I said, well, you were just kind of doing a Bible reading marathon. We're reading the Bible out loud. We've been doing this all week, and it was, a, it was that uh, Friday morning. It was really kind of wet, uh, rainy out, and so I, I said to him, I said, do you want to just come in and sit and have a cup of coffee? Uh, and so he said, yeah, sure, and so he kind of came in, and he sat down, and I could tell that he, you know, had kind of some issues going on. Um, you know, I could just kind of see his demeanor, um, you know, and he had kind of, you know, unshaven. His, you know, hair was uh, kind of uh, all over the place, uh, you know, clothes. And I could kind of tell the guy was having kind of a rough time in life. And, you know, so I said, how are you doing? And he said, not good. And I said, what's going on? And so he kind of just began just spilling out, you know, all of his problems. You know, he was, uh, had, had been, had a restraining order put against him by his current wife, and he wasn't able to go home. And so he's having to live out of his uh, car during the day. And then he said, I'm sleeping in my uh, first ex-wife's basement and, you know, talked about, you know, his daughter dying and uh, just talked about the, the, the uh, court battle that he had coming up to try to get his house back and going through another divorce. And I mean, it, it was just, and as, as he's talking about all of this, there is just a, there's just an anger. I mean, he is angry and he is just cannot wait uh, to get into that courtroom on Thursday because he's going to call his wife a liar and I'm going to tell that. And, and it was just like all of this just power and he, he's just angry and he's bitter and it's just all coming out. And I just let him talk, you know, and so I said to him, where, where do you find God in all of this? And where do, you, where do you kind of see God in all of this? And he kind of just looked at me. And he said, I don't. 
I said, well, he's there. He's there. And so I just kind of started talking to him, again, of just about the power of forgiveness, the power of gentleness, you know, being able to come at all these same things, all these same issues, but being able to come at that with all of this power, all of this potential, all of this negative energy, being able to, to bring all of that and just allowing that to come under God's control. So we had, a, we had a good conversation. I don't know that it made much of an impact. I don't know that it made much of a difference with him. But again, it kind of just highlights, um, again, that point, those, those characteristics. And again, we all feel those powerful emotions from time to time, both good and bad. I mean, we've all had those moments where we're, we're super angry. We want to get back at somebody. Um, and again, there's just that, that unforgiveness oftentimes that can just drive uh, a, a lot of really bad reactions on our part. And, and God wants to take all of that and he wants to just bring that under his control. And part of that is, is so that, that God can bring, begin to bring, again, the characteristic of gentleness, that I'm able to still deal with the problems that I, I need to deal with, but I'm gonna do it now through a, a spirit of gentleness. Um, so I, I think, again, that's Part of what um, we see there is that, you know, uh, there, there are our personalities, kind of uh, all that good and bad, uh, all that power, that, and all of that kind of comes under God's control. And, and again, if all of us were honest, we have character traits, both good and bad. We're a mix of the good and the bad. Some days are better than others, right? And so again, what we want to do is uh, we wanna be able to identify what are those characteristics, especially those ones that maybe just need to be sanded off a little. You know, some of them may be sandblasted, but you know, again, there's just, we're, 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 we're open. We're, we're willing to allow God to take and to, and to kind of begin to soften and to heal some of that brokenness um, that's driving uh, those bad characteristics. Some of you may need dynamite, you know, to, to blow off some of those rough edges. I mean, Jesus' three closest friends and when you look at their lives, I mean, they had some, you know, really major character flaws, and yet Jesus never gave up on them, never abandoned them. Why? Because he saw the potential that was in them. He saw, you know, you, you've got some bad things going on there, but boy, if we can ever get this under God's control, I see where God can use those character traits in really powerful ways. The gospel gives us some insight into um, some of those uh, character flaws that the disciples had. Remember in Luke 9, Jesus and the disciples are walking to Jerusalem. And Jesus had kind of sent them ahead to kind of prepare the way. He was gonna pass through Samaria there. So they kind of go ahead and they kind of prepare the way. And when they get there, uh, the people in Samaria hear that Jesus is coming. And for whatever reason, they did not want Jesus coming there. And so, you know, they kind of go back and tell Jesus, yeah, the Samaritan, they don't want you, uh, they don't want you there. And so the, their, their question was, as they kind of, you know, feel this rejection of Jesus by the Samaritan people, what is, what's their solution? Well, they basically said, well, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven to consume those people? And remember, Jesus rebuked them and he said, you, you don't know what spirit you're up. Again, there's just this, this power in their reaction. 
And, and Jesus is saying, you know, you need to bring that reaction. You need to bring that power under the control of God. Because Jesus goes on in there and, and he just simply says to the disciples, I didn't come to destroy people. I came to save people. And that kind of, you know, dovetails with what he said in John 3.17. We all have John 3.16 memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I say John 3.17 is just as important, if not more important, because Jesus goes on and says that the, uh, God did not send the son into the world to destroy the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's always been the mission of Jesus. It's the mission of Jesus today. Nothing has changed. Jesus is not here to destroy anyone. He is here to save. He is a savior. He is a redeemer. He is a healer. Uh, and so this is what Jesus's mission was then with the disciples. It's what Jesus's mission is today. It's not to destroy people. It is to save. You'll also remember one time in Mark 10, James and John's mom comes to Jesus one day. And, and, you know, I can understand, you know, these are her boys and, you know, she wants to see good things for them. And so she says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you know, when you come into your kingdom uh, one day, uh, you know, could, could one of my sons sit on your right hand and the other on your left? And then again, you know, these, these disciples, they were kind of, you know, could come off pretty arrogant. You know, mom was a little bit off center uh, as well. But the point is, is that they all had major character flaws. And in spite of the flaws, Jesus never abandoned them. He never gave up on them. He never lost sight of, of their potential. And the same should be true of us with each other. As a matter of fact, I kind of talk about, you know, if you're not aware of what your, you know, especially your character flaws are, you know, ask someone who loves you. Ask someone who cares about you. Say, you know, I, I'm just, I, you know, because I, I have blind spots. There are things about me I don't see about me that I think are, can be very, very negative um, in terms of how other people see me or respond to me. Um, and so oftentimes, you know, I'll take people that know me, you know, for Bruce, for example. You know, Bruce has permission um, and, uh, to speak into my life, to say, you know, here's, here's kind of an area, you know, or here's something that I kind of see, you know, and I, I'll, I hear that because I, I know he's saying that because he loves me. He cares about me. He's not saying that to, you know, make himself better, you know, or to put me down. He's saying it because he cares about me. He loves me. He wants to see God's best for me. And so I trust him when he says something to me that I, I take it to heart. I, I think on that. I pray on that, you know, and, and I'll, I'll take it to God and say, you know what, if, the, if, if what he's saying is true, I don't want to come across that way. I don't want to be like that. And so I'll just, you know, begin to ask God, you know, do the work in me that needs to be done there. And so I would just encourage you, if you're not aware of, of what maybe you're uh, the negative or the, you know, maybe the uh, destructive, uh, negative uh, character flaws are, again, ask someone, and not just anyone, but ask someone that you know cares about you, that really wants the best for you, 
And give them permission to be honest. Don't use it as an opportunity to get defensive and, you know, and then start trying to point out stuff in their lives. No, no, you're doing it because you really genuinely want to be able uh, to see uh, God doing a work in an area of your life that, that needs uh, work. So again, I, I think that's really important um, to do. And again, uh, the same thing that Jesus uh, you know, that really what enabled him to stick it out and to stay with and to never give up, never abandon uh, his disciples is again, he saw the power of their potential. I want, I want you to understand the thing that Jesus sees the most in every one of you here this morning are not your negative character flaws. I know I've talked about that, but that's not really what Jesus sees the most in you. Do you know what Jesus sees the most in you is the power of your potential, the power of what you can become under his control, under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's what he sees. That's what he's after. That's what he's kind of fanning the flame under you right now is he wants to just continue to work in you to bring the power of your potential to its fullest under his control. Ephesians 3.20 says this, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Isn't that good news? God is not limited by only what you can see. He's not bound by just what you can imagine. God sees his, his, his dreams, his hopes for you far exceed your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations for your life. Isn't that good news? And, and it, it exceeds your wildest dreams. He says he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And again, that's how we want to begin to work with each other. I'm not here to force you. I don't want to, I don't want to beat you up. I don't want to have to try to strong arm you. I, I, want to, I want to be able to come alongside God. I want to be able to work with, with uh, the Holy Spirit in just gently um, and lovingly, you know, coming alongside you, walking with you, helping you again to become all that God wants you uh, to be. So gentle people are people whose personalities, whose character traits, again, the good, the bad, are under God's control. So again, uh, this is kind of the path toward maturity. We talk about, you know, what does, what does maturity look like? Maturity looks like that you're growing um, in every aspect of your walk with God. And again, that takes a community. That takes all of us together, you know, encouraging, building one another up, you know, holding people accountable. All of that, we can do that um, in very, very uh, gentle ways. Uh, Jesus said uh, in John 15, 4, he said, you must go on growing in me. And again, that's, that's the pathway to maturity. We, we will never, ever reach the end point of growing in God. You never will. 
We call it sanctification, it's a big fancy word, but it, it's, it's a process that begins the moment you're born again and it just continues on through the rest of our earthly life. So he says you must keep growing. Again, that's not optional, you must keep growing in me and I will grow in you. For just as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it shares the life of the vine, so you can produce nothing unless you go on growing in me. And we call that abiding. We're, we're, we're abiding in him, he is abiding in us, and part of what is happening in that abiding process is he's growing in us, we're growing in him, and that growth is taking us onto places of maturity. Again, I, I can get around Christians that have been Christians for 25 years, and they are the same people, they are at the same point in their spiritual growth now than they were 25 years ago when I met them. That is not God's plan for us. God wants all of us growing, maturing, and going deeper in our walk with him. Second common characteristic is gentle people's words are under God's control. Man, if there's ever a day and age where, where man, people need, and especially Christians, need to bring their words under God's control, it is today. It is today. And all of us know the power of words. They can be destructive, they can tear down, or they can be encouraging, and they can build up. And again, the choice is ours. Proverbs 18, 21, a lot of you probably have heard this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And all of us have been on the receiving end of death and life words, and we know the difference it made in us. James says this, the tongue is a flame of fire, it is full of wickedness and poisons every part of the body. So the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. And get this, no human being can tame the tongue. We, can, we cannot do that on our own. And that's, again, why the fruit of the Spirit, it's something the Holy Spirit produces in us. We can't do that ourselves. I can't do that for you as a pastor. All I can do is encourage it. I can pray for it. I can maybe try to model it as best I can. But it's a work of the Holy Spirit that he does. And the same thing with the taming of the human tongue. We may do good for a day or two, but, again, that poison that wickedness, it will come out eventually because we do not have the ability to tame that. And he said it's always ready to pour out its uh, deadly poison. And again, that's why words, gentleness, it, it is bringing the power of our words under God's control. And again, how does God control your words? He's gotta first tame your heart. Because again, everything starts in the heart. Starts in the heart and it flows out. Whatever is in the heart overflows into the speech, Jesus said in Luke 6, 45. In Ephesians 4, 29, Paul encourages us. He says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. That's a tall order, isn't it? Is every word I say a gift? No. Is every word you say a gift? No. And again, this is, this is where we need the power, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Is every word that we say to people helpful? 
No, probably not. The Bible says we need to be careful with our words. And again, one of the characteristics of gentle people is the power of their words are under God's control. And that they're just able to speak the right word at the right time. See, oftentimes for me, I can have the right word, it is just at the wrong time. How many of you have had that problem? Yeah. So again, it's just, it's just bringing all those words under God's control so that he will, he will give you the right word at the right time. And then I'll tell you what, when you give someone the right word at the right time, it is a gift and it is uh, very, very helpful. Odell, I had a word for you last week, brother. Um, and I, I, I still have that word for you today. I wanna, and so when we're done here today, I want you to stay around because I wanna share what, what God showed me um, about you because it is a gift and it's gonna be very helpful for you, okay? So, so again, that's again part of, uh, of the words. Uh, I loved what happened here last week. You know, we had some people, uh, you know, Bruce had uh, come up and it had given uh, a word to a couple here in our congregation. I hope that, you know, that it was helpful. I hope it was um, a gift to them. Uh, and, and we had some other opportunities to be able to impart life-giving words to people. And that's exciting. I mean, that's, that's awesome uh, when that happens. As a matter of fact, I didn't preach at all uh, last week just because, you know, God had decided he was going to just kind of move in some prophetic life-giving ways, and that's always awesome. And we always want to be open um, to, to, to when God is um, doing that. So again, a, a lot of times, you know, when, when it comes to our words, just think before you speak. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger, right? That's what James says. So again, we wanna be slow to speak. And oftentimes, you know, when we're angry, I mean, we're quick to speak. And oftentimes, those are very, very destructive words. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, how many of you have, you know, uh, you're upset with somebody uh, about something and, you know, you, you just wanna give them a piece of your mind, you know, and they often say, you know, sometimes it's just best maybe to count to 10. If you're really mad, count to 100. You know, give yourself some time to kind of think. Is this gonna be helpful? Is this gonna be a gift? Or is this gonna really be encouraging? Is it gonna build up? Is it gonna lead to a place of healing? Is it gonna lead to a place of restoration? Or is it just gonna lead to a place of breakdown? And so oftentimes you just need to kind of think before you speak. Oftentimes, if you've ever written an email to somebody, you know, oftentimes they'll say, you know, just write out, you know, all your true feelings, write out what you're thinking, you know, and then delete it. You know, okay, we've gotten that out of the way. And then, you know, kind of begin to ask God, you know, God, help me to, to write words here that are gonna be life-giving, that are gonna be a gift. And again, I oftentimes when I work with couples that are uh, in, in conflict or friends that are in conflict, uh, by and large, it's mostly words that have inflicted a lot of damage. So a uh, gentle person's words are under God's control. Um, third is uh, gentle people's actions um, are under God's control. Um, and so again, a, a gentle person is not 
passive. They're, they're very proactive. Oftentimes we kind of think of gentleness as someone who just kind of, you know, fades into the background. They never say anything. You know, they're really kind of docile. And, and, and again, uh, that's not a, what a gentle person is. A gentle person is someone who is very, very proactive. Gentleness and meekness uh, do not affect so much what you do as they affect how you do it through your actions. And so I wanna just, I'm gonna just go through these really, really quickly. Um, so we're, defend, we're to defend the faith with gentleness. Oftentimes, you know, um, I don't know when, when it changed. I just noticed that, you know, if you go to start to share the gospel with someone and all you wanna talk about is hell, them going to hell, um, it's not very effective. I mean, I mean, people tend to kind of, you know, get very, very defensive. They tend to kind of start putting walls up. Um, but I remember growing up, I mean, that was the most effective tool of evangelism. Um, and you scare a lot of people into heaven. The problem is they don't stay there very long. I mean, once that fear kind of subsides, they're kind of back to doing whatever it was they were doing before they encountered you. And so again, oftentimes, you know, it's being able to talk about the faith, the hope that you have, your relationship with Jesus. It's talking about it in, in very positive terms, you know, that, that uh, he, you know, forgiveness of sin, kind of like what I talked with that gentleman over there um, at the park. I mean, you know, this was a guy for all practical purposes who was very, very lost. And when I could have focused on the loss of this guy, but I just kind of felt like the Lord wanted him to know that, hey, I got a better plan for your life right now. And part of that is just walking uh, in forgiveness. So I think it's just being able to share the gospel um, with people in gentle and winsome ways. First uh, Peter 3, 15 through 16 said, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. And again, we're not only to declare our faith or to defend our faith, but we're to defend it with gentleness. I'll never ever forget one time I um, heard Billy Graham say that oftentimes it takes the average person eight times to hear the gospel message before they understand enough of it to be able to respond to it. And so again, you may encounter someone that's hearing the gospel message for the first time, and it's overwhelming. I mean, it's a lot to take in. There may be some things they really kind of need to think about that you have said. You know, and then, you know, maybe a month later, they'll, they'll run into somebody and they'll get, you know, again, a second presentation of the gospel. Um, and he just said, you know, it takes the average person eight times, and you may be that eighth person, and they're just ready to respond because you have given them the gospel in just a really gentle and in a really winsome way. Uh, second is we're to deliver the fallen with gentleness. Galatians 6.1 says, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to believers there. If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are gently should judge and criticize and throw them out of the congregation. Yeah, that's not what it says, is it? But that's what we do, isn't it? Let's be honest. I, that's what we do a lot of times. He says, no, you who are godly, 
should gently and humbly restore that person back onto the right path. And he says, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You know, that, that saying, except by the grace of God, there go I. You know, if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna judge you harshly, oftentimes what we're doing is we're just setting a trap for ourselves. Share each other's burdens. Man, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that look good in print? How do you walk that out? We're, we're not good at sharing one another's burdens. You know, I, I can come up to Mitch and say, hey Mitch, how are you doing? What do I expect Mitch to say? Fine, good. I can go on, right? Because that's what I want to do. But if Mitch says, you know, Pastor, I'm just really struggling. I just really got this temptation. I'm like, ah, why did I ask? Uh, because we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to share one another's burdens. And, and because it's hard. And yet, I don't, I don't believe we can have the kingdom of God among us and not know how to do that or be willing to, to do that, to share one another's burdens, to be able to walk alongside Mitch in that time of temptation. This, uh, this is just an example. I'm, I'm not saying Mitch has any problems. But again, it's just to be able to, to say, okay, how can I come alongside him and pray for him and encourage him and, and show that I genuinely care about what you're going through because I don't wanna see him fall to that temptation I don't want to see him destroyed by what he's going through. So you know what? He needs me to be able to come in and, and you know, just to, to share that burden, to hear, to listen, to pray, to understand, and to walk with him. And it says when we do that, we're, we're really kind of, uh, we're, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. So again, so it's, uh, the, that second one there is to deliver the fallen with gentleness. The third one is we're to defer to the Father uh, with gentleness. The Apostle James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, said this in James 1.21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with gentleness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. I love that. Receive with gentleness the implanted word. That just means that the, the, the word, it, it, it's, it's within us. God's put his word within us. And we just receive that. There's often times where I'll just, a scripture will come to mind to me. I'm in, a, I'm in a particular situation. I'm dealing with a particular circumstance. I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, the implanted word comes. It, it's God's answer. It's his response to what I'm going through. And I just receive that word with gentleness, with humility, with thankfulness. Thank you, Father. This is, this is that light under my path. Um, and I just receive that, and you just begin to walk um, that out. And, and so again, that, those are kind of aspects of, of what I think when I, when I think and when I look um, at gentleness. Let's just go ahead and stand uh, together this morning. Father, we just thank you that, Lord, you really desire, as we sang that song earlier, you know, just uh, surrendering it all, giving it all to you, God. And that's really what you're after this morning, God. You're after all that we have, all that we are, the good, the bad, the desirable, the undesirable, God. 
You want it all. And God, you want to be able to bring all of that under your control. So Father, this morning, I, I just pray that there would just come a collective sense of just surrendering all to you this morning. And God, as you begin to bring to mind characteristics, traits, maybe attitudes, actions, that God, that, that you want to maybe kind of heal, that you kind of want to begin to sand some of the rough edges off of that. That, Lord, that there would just come a desire in us, Lord, to kind of come under the gentleness of the Holy Spirit this morning. And that as we come under the power of the Holy Spirit, that gentleness of the Holy Spirit this morning, that it would begin to manifest in the ways that we react, in the ways that we respond to others. That, Lord, we can speak the truth, and we do that in love, and we do that in, in gentleness. Not to be right, but that you would be glorified in what we're saying and what we're doing. God, I pray for those uh, just in the workplace. I just feel like for some of you, that's, that's a great struggle for you right now. Because maybe you find yourself, it, it's easy to be gentle at church when you're among other believers. Maybe it's, it's easy for you to be gentle at home with, with your spouse or your kids or others that are maybe living with you. You, you find it easy to be gentle there. But I just kind of feel like the Holy Spirit is highlighting that for some of us in the workplace, that's a very, very difficult place because we don't have as much control there. And so, Father, again, we just, uh, we come to you, Father, and we just ask, Lord, especially those this morning that are just in that workplace, that, God, this morning, you want them to, to hear and to know the past is the past. I am beginning a new thing. That tomorrow is a new day. That tomorrow are new opportunities, again, to be able to allow God's Holy Spirit to work in and through you, through that characteristic of gentleness that people would begin to see a difference in, in your actions, in your attitudes, your words. So Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would, again, just equip us even now, that we recognize this is a work that you desire to do in us. We can't do it apart from you. We have to do it with you in us, living through us. And so, Father, we just, we open our, our hearts, we open our spirit. We just invite you to come into those, maybe those, it, it's, it feels dark, it feels ugly, it feels uninviting, and yet you're willing to go there. You're willing to bring light to darkness you're willing to bring kindness to unkind places. You're willing to bring joy in places where maybe there is grief and despair. So God, we open all of that to you this morning. We just invite you, come. 
live, move, have your being in us. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Lord, for your heart for us. We thank you that your desire is that you are for us and not against us. That you are not here to destroy us or to judge us. You're here to save us. And Lord, there are just places where we need to be saved this morning. So we just invite you into that place this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, uh, uh, that, that words, oh man, we use words every day, all the time, Father. I pray that our words would more and more be helpful and be a gift to those who hear us. Let that be our heart's desire. Let that be our heart's cry. That God, you would tame my heart, and in taming my heart, you would control my tongue. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for leading the way, for being the example, for coming to us, not leaving us, not abandoning us, but coming to us and living your life in us and through us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we yield, we surrender to that this morning. And God, in doing so, we know great things are gonna happen, and your kingdom is gonna come in power. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.